Hey guys, welcome to Not Just a Hashtag Podcast, presented by Trees of Hope. I'm your host, Nicole Escobar, with my co-hosts, Anissa, Kristen, and Mariah. On this podcast, we will be discussing the epidemic of sexual abuse, its realities, and the unfiltered ways in which it has affected all of our lives. We share our personal stories and how our lives have been restored. While this podcast is for everyone, we do want to let you know that we use several trigger words, and this is geared more towards adult audiences. This podcast is for anyone who wants to educate themselves on the statistics behind sexual abuse, signs to look out for, and how to prevent it from happening. So let's get to it. Hey guys, welcome to the Not Just a Hashtag podcast, episode three. Today we are going to be talking about safe and unsafe people so that you know who you can and cannot share your story with. Uh, Last week we kind of went a little deeper into our stories and there was a part where I had shared some of uh, me kind of going out on a limb and telling certain people in my life and we just wanted to make sure that anybody who's listening to this knows that you have to be wise when you share your story, that it's not just you share it with everybody like maybe I was saying, but that you you think through who you're going to share it with. And um, it needs to be a safe person. So I wanted to kind of say who the type of person that that would be. I want to give you three things that they would have, the traits that they would have. They're going to draw you closer to God. Now, this is obviously for a Christian person. So if you're not a Christian, they're going to be somebody who's going to draw you closer to um, doing right things, being better in society, things like that. Draw us closer to others. Um, so they're, you know, they're not going to divide amongst friends. They're not going to gossip or slander people all the time. And then they help us become the real person that God created us to be. So we all have a calling on our lives. We all have um, something that God has written about us, who we're going to be in this life. And it may change throughout time. But that person that you're telling the story to is going to be somebody that is encouraging you and really wants to see you fulfill your God-given destiny. And a safe person is practically is also a very loyal person. They're going to be somebody who's not going to judge you. They accept you just as you are, but they don't let you be codependent on them. So they may allow you to be who you are, but when you start acting crazy, they're willing to hold you accountable. So I'm here with my three co-hosts and um, everybody say hey. Hey. <laughs> Hi. Hi. So these are safe people, and um, we're going to share a little bit of our own stories with you of our safe and unsafe experiences. And I'll go first, um, just sharing my safe people that I have shared my story with over the years. And my first person is going to be my best friend. I have trusted this person for over 15 years with so many different things. She's a godly person. She always wants to see me do better in life and she challenges me. She speaks life into me. She encourages me. Um, but she also doesn't let me, um, she doesn't let me act crazy. Like when I'm acting crazy, she calls me out on it and says, Hey, you're, you're being irrational here. or You're acting silly. Um, and I, I know that she's a person I can trust with all types of information. So she was the first person I had told. Um, then the second person is, which 
should be um, a husband. And he, my husband, Raf, he is the most trusted person in my life, and he is so safe. And the reason why I shared it with him actually while we were dating is because I wanted to make sure that he knew what he was getting into with me. I struggle with intimacy. I've shared this many times before on the podcast, but when, you're, when you've been sexually abused, you struggle with intimacy. And I wanted to make sure he understood the dynamic of that and also understood the why I struggled. And then I wanted him to know like how he could speak my love language to me um, because I don't like to be touched. And he does. So that's always like, you know, conflicting. But yeah, this these two people were my safe people. So Anissa, what do you got? My safe person that I first told absolutely everything to was a counselor, a Christian counselor. And obviously one of the great things about meeting with a counselor is they are sworn to secrecy unless you're planning on hurting yourself or someone else. So I knew that everything I shared wasn't going anywhere. And that had always been my biggest fear because being someone that was so publicly bashed throughout high school and people just knew too many things about me I was always so terrified of sharing anything because I didn't want it getting out and you know how things are you share something with someone and you tell them please don't tell anyone and then they end up telling someone and say but make sure you don't tell anyone because I told her I wouldn't tell anyone so that had always been my experiences and so when I met with a counselor I knew that everything I was sharing was staying right there and obviously she was someone that wasn't going to judge me and was going to offer very sound practical advice on how to heal and even put in perspective what had had what had happened to me practically emotionally and mentally and why I behaved the way that I did so the first person I told everything to was a counselor and I mean from there I was able to make healthy calls on who to share what with so that that was my personal experience that's good i i have a counselor as well and um i think they're extremely as i'm sure Kristen would testify to this they're (laughs) extremely important in um in doing life with you with boundaries because you're paying them for service so we're going to always advocate here um a counselor mm-hmm. or individual care, whatever term you want to use for it. So Mariah, what do you got for us, safe or unsafe? For me, I think um, I'm going to kind of talk about unsafe. With me, I didn't know they were unsafe. So when you are at a, a crossroads of like who to tell, um, mine came out obviously within my family. And so I just told a few people that were um, just kind of part of that time and um and, you know I see them as safe even now but there are unsafe qualities in the comments that they say and kind of what they did with that information after that um and a lot of it is like um you know kind of being pressured in their in their fear and their like wanting justice that I need to report it and I need to um file a report and I uh, need to take them to jail I need to tell my story people need to know people in our family need to know that um, something like this happened to you because everyone else needs to be safe too and so in the rawness of that beginning stage I I couldn't I couldn't because I was still you know in the shame of it and didn't want to feel exposed in in all of that 
And so I didn't have my boundaries respected. It was always met with, well, when are you going to finally talk about it? Or, um, or just back and forth. And then, um, so some of my family members kind of did end up telling the main people in our family, um, so that honestly, some of the younger kids were looked after. And so at the time, like, that's fine, you know, but I wasn't ready to speak upon it on my own. Like, I've never actually said it in my own voice to almost all my family members, only very few of them, but I know almost all of them know it. And so it was just the comments, the um, naive comments, the um, comments out of their own way of processing. And that's like, well, if it happened to you once, why didn't you, why, if it happened to you multiple, multiple times, why didn't you say anything? Or why did you keep coming to our house if it happened? Or, or maybe down the years and we're kind of starting to talk about it. Um, well, why don't you guys just go get over it? It's been however many years. Or if you didn't, you know, press charges, then what you guys just need to get over it, you know, if it was that big of a deal. So it's just those comments that spin in your head, even though the experience is over, those things kind of spin in in the people that you felt like you could trust. So it's just those comments and, you know, some of the safe people came out in the sense of like empowering me to grow and to let, let empower me to have a voice and set my own boundaries and respecting that while validating what happened to me. And that was such a difference, such a difference. Um, and even comments of like, listen, this was a crime, what happened to you? And I needed to hear that and I didn't even know. And it was one of my uncles that called me once he found out and he's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry they told me, like, I hope that's okay. But I wanted to reach out to you and say like, that's a crime. And I'm so sorry that you went through that. And um, I'm so glad that I hear you're going to counseling and healing from it. And he needs help. And if he doesn't, he doesn't get my support. Wow. And I cried and cried. And I told him, like, I needed to hear that after so many years, 10 years later. So. That's amazing um, that a man did that. You I know? think that was also what was huge for yeah. me, too. Yeah. Um, you know, so I relate a lot to you that my, I, it's never been said in my voice to my family other than to my brother, you know, the most, most supportive person that I have other than my best friend and my, my husband, which it, there's a, there's something about that, that really like, I wish we could do. And I don't know why we don't. Um, cause we're at that stage where we should be like, let me just go do, take care of this. But one of the things I want to remind myself and everybody here is that, we were created with the the need to be affirmed or to have approval, right? But that approval only should come from the Lord. And when we try to seek it from others, we end up frustrated. We end up feeling um, like we're not worthy and all of this. But when we seek it from the Lord, it will, it promises, he promises that it will fulfill, fulfill you completely. So if I stand approved, totally approved, I don't need their, I don't need to get affirmation from them. I don't need to say in front of them, do you remember that time? Like, I don't need to do any of that. It's done. I'm approved. And I need to live in that more because honestly, I don't know why, but sometimes I feel like I need their, I need to make sure, look them in the eye and say, do you guys remember this? But I also have to remember that if they do love me, which I know they do, and they love you all, your family, and 
they know you've been sexually abused. They're, the thoughts that are probably going through their mind is, we failed you as a kid. And their number one job was failed at protecting you. So I have to remember that. Yeah. And unfortunately, there's a whole journey that they need to go on as well. But you can't, you can only lead a horse to water. You can't make them drink. Is that the saying? Yeah. So Kristen, do you have any thoughts on this? Well, yeah. Yes. And I think, um, I think that your stories kind of ended up pointing back to um, even why, what you, bouncing off what you were saying, Nicole, um, that it's sometimes better to talk to someone outside of your family. And this doesn't, isn't always necessarily the case, but just exactly what Nicole was explaining. Um, sometimes it can just get really convoluted because that family member, when they find out um, the story of what's happened, it, can easily kind of get entangled into, oh my goodness gracious, like what did I do wrong? How did I drop the ball? How did I not see this? And so then your story can kind of get lost in that. And then with them trying to get their own support, they can then tell other family members. And again, then your story gets, it becomes not, you you know, your story starts getting told, like you said, not from your own mouth, you know? Um, And so again, this isn't always the case. Everyone's situation is unique. And that's something as a therapist that I Um, there's not really hard and fast rules. I mean, everyone's going to have a different journey and a different experience in this. But um, I think speaking with someone that is kind of outside um, of that to where they're able just to listen to you and be there for you and have it be about you um, is pretty powerful. And that's why I think um, seeing a therapist, you know, as like Anissa was talking about, um, I think all of you guys actually kind of mentioned that, but seeing... um, you know, a therapist can be so powerful because it's all about you. You know, it can be about your story and you don't have to worry what the therapist is feeling in regards to the situation because they weren't a part of it. Right. They weren't a caretaker. They weren't anything like that. And that's one of the things actually that I should explain too that um, is really important for us as therapists. And this is why we have something called, um, that we avoid called dual relationships. Um, We have one relationship with our clients and that's the client therapist relationship. And that's it. That's why we can't do anything else, you know, with clients. We can't be friends with clients. We can't do business with clients. Nothing, you know, nothing like that. And that way the lines stay clear and it remains about the best thing for the client. So that's important to know too. If you were to see a therapist, that's how it's supposed to be. One relationship. That's so good because it makes clear boundaries. Mm -hmm. And I actually, I don't mind throwing this out here is um, I do see a counselor and she's transitioned more into a mentor but when I first started seeing her um she made it clear to me that very fine lines you know you don't text me um I'm not able to call you after a certain period of time and I invited this person to my wedding and and she couldn't come and I was like why I want you to be a part of this and it was clear I can't come because I'm not your friend I'm your I'm your mentor that you pay to mentor you and I was so thankful that um she actually did come to the ceremony so that was nice but um I'm grateful for those boundaries because I came to her directly because I knew I was lacking boundaries and by her showing me what clear boundaries were only set me up for success and I need that and and everybody needs that especially when you've been sexually abused one of the main things you lack probably is boundaries healthy boundaries well and that's the thing too um what happens within abuse also is a lot of times boundaries are crossed because of the manipulation and the different messages that were spoken about and whoever the abuser was it was all about them Right. you know, and you were being used. So um, to get, um, to have a safe person 
again, if we're talking about a therapist, it's not always a therapist, but if, to have a person like a therapist to speak with, it can be, all, again, all about your story. It so doesn't good. have to get convoluted. So where are other places that we can tell our story? So let's say, you know, we've got a counselor, we've got friends, we've got family, but we need to find that safe place. So f- for us at Trees of Hope, um, I'm always going to kind of point you back there, is um, we offer support groups, and those support groups are safe places for you to share your story. Now, you are going to be in a room with people who have a similar story, and the reason why support groups are so important is that they sort of normalize what has happened to you, and they don't. we don't want to make it normal that you've experienced sexual abuse, but we want to make sure that you know you're not alone. And that when we say it's normal, that everyone in this group feels the same pain. Like you almost become like a sisterhood. Normalizing isn't minimizing. Yeah. That's what's important. Important to know. Yeah. And so this is a great place to share your story. This is a great place to spell out exactly what has happened to you in full detail. And, um, you know, at some point we also get to a point where we write our perpetrator a letter and we read that story and we read that letter out loud and it helps the healing process. It's really therapeutic. So what exactly should we tell when we do tell our stories? So I know for me, um, I don't tell the whole story. I never actually say he did this. I did this. I actually have yet to say that to anybody, but I do say I was sexually abused by someone in my neighborhood and it was that day that, you know, this is what happened to me as in innocence was lost. I was new to shame. You know, I felt, I felt like something was, I felt violated, whatever word do you want to say? Um, what did you guys think What do you, for yourselves? And I your think stories? it's so important what Nicole is saying that details are never important. They're really not. Honestly, I, I believe that's my personal opinion. It, what it comes down to is something was done to you, you were victimized and you need to heal from it. And the only time you should share details is when you feel it's appropriate with a safe person, which again, I, I did share in a lot of detail with my counselor, but at the end of the day, those details aren't what was important. What was important was acknowledging my, the violation that had taken place in my life and figuring out next steps in growing and getting stronger that's what's important so when it comes to what you share if you need to tell details to a counselor to a mom to a dad to a sister a teacher whoever that safe person a doctor if you are reporting that's that's when it's important to share details but honestly at the end of the day that's not what's going to bring about healing is saying he did this to me and he made me do this those details i mean they can be cathartic but it's just i don't ever share details with people when i talk about the different things that happened to me in high school very very rarely do i get into the nitty gritty because it's just not important and then too I think sometimes it can put images in people's head that they don't need really you know like being that graphic and that explicit I think too like um you if you're someone listening to someone's story like I know for me one time I did tell a boyfriend that I was dating and they wanted to know details and I wasn't comfortable with that but because I was so, I just didn't, I lacked boundaries and I wasn't able to stand up for me like, no, I'm not comfortable with that. I did. 
and I regretted it instantly. And I think so if you listen to someone's story as someone that's going to be supportive, I wouldn't ask for details, not just because it's uncomfortable, but they may not they may lack that bravery to tell you, no, I'm not comfortable with that. And they may just tell you. But um, for me, I think that I'm very careful about what I say. Sometimes I do feel like, do I share too much? Because I don't want to burden people with those images or trigger them or something like that. But I think focusing on how you feel and how it made you feel, like how it wrecked havoc on you and how you feel now, like maybe what it, what it, made you feel in the moment and then after and how it's been so far I think it's always really important to to focus on your feelings and um, be honest about that because that's very that's part of the healing process is coming to terms with those and maybe not even covering how I feel by just talking about the details sometimes it can be easier just telling the story instead of telling the heart of how it has affected you and also one of the things that this does is it gives you back control for saying the story how you want, when you want, and to who you want, really. So that's something that we definitely want to encourage you to do and and just continue to be analyzing and looking at who is the right person to share your story with. And if you're listening to this podcast and you have yet to share your story with anybody, we really want to encourage you to maybe go and write it down and and leave it there for now. Um, But you have to really feel feel like this is like we've been saying safe person safe person and it and you reminded me actually when um mariah when you were just talking that this ex-boyfriend i knew raf my husband was safe when he was my boyfriend um when i started telling the story and i went to go tell him the full details and he goes it's okay i i got it like i like he didn't need the details and i thought that was such a gentleman move and i was like but i want to tell you because i was not healed yet and i felt like if i just got it off my chest i would be healing from here and the fact that he didn't push it made me feel so safe so therefore I told him and um I'm gonna keep praising his his praises praising his praises praising his praises sing his praises yeah no and same honestly it's funny because I still struggle with boundaries sometimes and it's something that I have to remind myself of that boundaries are what make a relationship healthy they're not keeping people out it's helping you bring people in in a better healthier way when you have boundaries and so even now being married there will be things that I'm gonna tell my husband and he'll even say we really don't have to talk about it if you don't want to and I almost feel like my knee-jerk reaction is rejection but that's David my husband's way of giving me the green light to not talk and that's so freeing Mm -hmm. so I know exactly what you're talking about it's so special to have someone who never pushes you who pushes you in the best way but never pushes you to talk when you're not ready or really just not in a place to discuss certain things so okay now we just want to move on to reporting abuse so again if you're somebody who right now is listening and maybe you're you're being sexually abused um reporting your sexual abuse is is something that we really want you to do but you do have to keep in mind that if you do report um police officers whomever you're reporting to may not do or help you the way that they should which we hope won't 
set you back. Um, so we just we just want to encourage you that when you're ready, um, take that move and take that step. But we hope you just keep listening to these podcasts, that you feel more empowered each time, that you feel like you're just hanging out with your girlfriends, talking about a really taboo topic. And I know that it's not so taboo now, but it is. I don't know if you guys noticed, but like the Me Too movement kind of came out and then it's like nobody talks about it anymore. I don't know if you noticed that. <laughs> so well, I think, yeah, it's just the Me Too movement came out and then there was no like this is what we're going to do. Like, now what? It's just everyone talking about what happened to them. And it was great because we get to realize how prevalent sexual abuse and sexual assault and all these different things are. But then it's like, now what? Practically, right. you know? Yeah. And so that's where we hope we can just slide on in there and and help <laughs> with, like, starting the conversation and, and empowering you. And the Me Too movement has definitely empowered a lot of women. We just want to come off that and continue empowering you to, to find healing and this may not be your day to share your story but we hope that it starts the conversation in, in even in your own mind of the when and the who and and how so now we want to talk about reporting abuse and you may be somebody that's listening to this who's currently being sexually abused and you're at that stage where you're ready to tell police or call the abuse hotline and we definitely don't want to stop you but we do want to get you a little bit more educated and and, um, what that will look like. So we're in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have a person who works. His name is Desmond, and he works at the Nancy J. Coleman Center here in South Florida. And it's a trauma center for victims of sexual abuse, specifically rape. And um, they deal with all types of sexual abuse. And we're going to have him on giving more details about what happens if you report, who's going to come, what does the whole reporting process look like, what's the stages of that. And um, w- we just hope that, you know, when you hear that this, you feel either empowered to do so or you feel encouraged not to. So we're going to leave it really at, your, at, at whatever you think is best for your life. So we just want to, again, thank you so much for listening to the Not Just a Hashtag podcast. We hope this is life-giving to you. We hope that you're finding hope in this, hope in your story, and knowing that you are so much more than what has happened to you. And we just want to tell you that we love you so much, and we can't wait to see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.